So our sermon tonight is from Ephesians 1, 21 through 2, 5. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. selection of the song. Does anybody recognize what the song is? Those of you don't know. Danse Macabre. It was actually published in the mid-19th century, mid-1800s. To celebrate, to celebrate Halloween. And what you were listening to there, it didn't quite catch it as in the recording that I, that I listened to earlier, but the, the discordant violins were very aggressive for the day. People disliked the, the, the sound of the music intensely at the time. When, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to say his name, Saint Cien? Saint Song? Oh, thank you. They're French for you. And, uh, and I, the reason I like it, well, because I wanted to kind of present to you, again and again, a vision for these verses. Take a look at the verses that I want you to look at. It's, it's the beginning of chapter two. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and once you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince. And the picture I keep presenting to you again and again, and, and some of that discordant music was meant to be a, this idea of a parade of fools. A parade of death. That's the picture of this text. You, us, everybody, Dolores Park, San Francisco, Russia, Ukraine, we're all in a dance. We're following the course of this age. Who, which is, as this world is moving, is following step by step the maestro. Our enemy, Satan, the devil, the prince of the power of the air. And so I, I feel it's an indispensable, it's necessary, compelling, I guess, in a sense, that I, we talk about this stuff, and we talk about the devil in particular. I don't particularly want to talk about the devil. I don't particularly want to satisfy curiosity, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm not curious about demonology and things like that. But, 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 and I say this sincerely and earnestly, it was important to Jesus. <laughs> it's important to Paul. It was important in the scriptures that if you and I are going to live this life, we're going to understand our world. If we're going to understand our own weaknesses, if we're going to understand evil, it cannot be understood 
without understanding the world as it truly is. And then the world as it truly is, it exists with a devil. That's, that's a part of the universe. It's a part of the fabric of this world as created by our Father. It wasn't, that's not how he created it. That came by a little later. We'll take a little look at that. But, you know, I find it so... Look, look you, know, you know what? I, I believe in Jesus. I think, see, I think, if I... It's like God gives me the grace to do this. If I'm able to present to you Jesus as he truly is and his greatness, his love, his wonder, and his grace, you're just going to fall in love with him all over again. Like, I will. Like, that's just, that's the answer, <laughs> is that for, for me to glorify Jesus, right? It's for you to... So how's the devil going to get us there? You see, like, like that's, it's talking about the wrong person, as it were, right? Unless it can lead us back, lead us back to a sense of wonder and joy and awe. And who Jesus is. And I think, I think it does that. I think it does that if we, if, we listen, if we listen to what the scriptures teach. Now, I imagine I'm going to talk about the devil and demons. And I don't know how much correction I need in this room, but we all need some guardrails here. And there's two guardrails I kind of think of. And I'm going to give you this because I think this will just be helpful for you. A lot of you are in these guardrails already. But the guardrails are on either side. And that is falling for the silly, the silly and superstitious myths that kind of make make the world uh, some sort of weird image of demonic, uh, I don't know, there's a demon in the pew or something, who knows. And then over here, of the other side, other guardrail, is the silly claims of modern science. The absurd things it tries to claim or, or tell us about the world. Things it can't tell us. Things it can't even think on, right? But what we do is we find ourselves kind of walking this road, right? How many of you have heard some crazy person talk about Demons and devils in a way that just doesn't sound right. Anybody? Have we all heard? This is very, very common in this city, especially amongst Christians. Very, very common. These views of the devil and the views of, and, and they're not biblical. Uh, recently, it was actually Bethany. I haven't had a chance to talk to her about this yet. And she, we, were, we, were, we, we, meet, we try to talk weekly, and, and last time we talked, we were in prayer, and she says, you know, Chris, I want you to pray for me because I'm learning how to call on the angels, on the archangels, to help me in my battle against Satan. And I'm, like, I'm on the phone, I'm on Zoom, and I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm like, I'm gonna have, we're going to have to talk about this now because that is not, that is not biblical. Stay away from those things. But, but uh, if you're going to stay away from that, if you're going to stay away from the weirdness, stay away from the skepticism too. Because skepticism is as big and deep and constant an error in the church as an over-spiritualization is. <laughs> you can go either way, and either way takes you into error. Either way takes you into error. Either one takes you away from joy and life in God. Either one is just a mistake that confuses your world. And we've all heard people come from different camps. And I want to encourage you, just don't give in to idle superstition. And don't give in to unbelief. And I think if we do that, I, I said picture, that we'll be able to walk. But I'll tell you one thing. I was reading John, 1 John today. Man, it jumped out. You ever read the Bible? You just read something, you go, what the heck? When did, when did God put that in? I feel like sometimes, I, I swear to you, I almost believe that God had put stuff in the Bible later just to trick me. Because I'm like, how did I not see that? But the reason God, Christ came into the world is this. 1 John 3, verse 8. To destroy the works of Satan. The reason Jesus came was to destroy the works of Satan. Huh. Does it, I just love that. It just jumps, doesn't it? It pops. It, 
is how are we going to interpret that? How are, you going to, how, are we going to, how are we going to get away from that? It's not saying it's the only reason. It's not saying it's the biggest reason. It's just saying one of the reasons it's saying is, is what? To put an end to the works of the devil. So we got to walk into a whole worldview that's biblical, that's not materialistic, that's not scientific, that's not superstitious, that's not religiously weird. We're going to walk into the scripture and trust nothing with the scripture about this because we have no empirical data about, this, about that world at all. Even the stories you've heard, you can't trust them. Trust the scripture. You can always trust the word of God. Don't trust any rumor or story. Trust him. So we're going to jump into the scripture. And I'm going to attack this in three ways that kind of grow on us. Kind of, kind of a growing sense of it. First thing is I want to look at the words of our text. The words of verse 2. And they're important words. And they're, that's just those words but the words that are used about devils and stuff like that in the Old and New Testament. And then I want to go past that. I want to go into the into some of the, the warp and woof. Like, there's a way we can digest all of Satan's work across the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And it's a fairly typical pattern. Satan's actually not very creative at all, I don't think, in the end. In my experience, Satan is totally uncreative. Our enemy's uncreative. And I, and I really mean that. Because every place I've gone, in Chicago, New York City, uh, Atlanta, when I've worked in the worst places of those cities, every evil place smells the same, looks the same, sounds the same, and feels the same. Everywhere I've been. Even, across, even overseas. Poverty, destruction, violence, hatred, e they all, addiction, they all create the same tableau. They all create the same ugliness. Satan is not creative. My father's the creator. Not the devil. So, uh, so anyway, we're gonna go, I want to go to a biblical view of this, and then we're going to go to this works, and then beyond that, there's one last stage where we're going to look at Ah, I was trying to figure out how to characterize this. We're going to look at the why. Why is Satan the way he is? The why of it. Because the why of why Satan is he is, is a picture into our hearts. It's a picture into grace. All right, let's, let's see. Jesus, take us there, Father, we pray. And, uh, and, and so is Jesus. Words. Take a look at your, take a look at your text. Uh, the prince of the power of the air. Uh, you know, I am. Uh, <laughs> it, it always uh, amazes me how important it is for me to do hardcore Bible study. And I, what I mean by that is every word in Greek, going through, doing, doing my careful exegesis word by word. And go, because when you start doing that, well, you, you know, translation is a big part of your life. You begin to see things you never saw before. You're like, oh my goodness, I, I was reading this in a very cursory fashion. I was, I was reading this in a way that was not hearing some of the wisdom behind the writer. He calls him a prince. Now, it's a weird word for prince. It's an archon is the word. It's a, it's a word for any kind of generic, very, very generic word. It doesn't actually mean prince per se, but, but it, it's generic ruler. And prince, I think, is a good one here, just because it's not the, the top ruler. It's not the idea of the king, but it's, it's the idea of a ruler, ruler and who has authority of some kind. Then look at that next word. What's the next word? The prince of the power of the air. Now, I told you last week, that in Greek, the word air is the same in Greek and English. It's kind of cool. It's one of our cognates. And cognates are when, language, when languages use words that are, this, that, that are essentially the same. Now, that word power, that was one that threw me. That was the one that really threw me. I, 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 the King James, this is the King James uh, translation. And I'll bet, 
I'll, I'll bet that the ESV is taught, tipping the hat towards the King James here. And, and it's not, it, it kind of flows off the tongue. It has some life in our, even our culture, the prince of the power of the air. It has a, it has a life as an artifact. But that word is not power, not in any way that we usually use that word. Um, that word right there is used for the word authority. It, it's exousia, it's not the dunamis word. So there's two words for power in the New Testament. The one we usually use, he was able to keep you from falling, that word able, he was powerful, the power of God. He uses the word dynamis, where you get the word dynamite from. And it all has to do with innate power. Like your dynamis, Spencer, is, to, is to be what you can lift. Something like what you can, how you can affect the world around you. That's your dynamis. Your, it's like dynamo. It's, it's, it's living power. That's not that word. He is called the prince of exousia. Now, it's a word for power, but it means authority. And specifically, a derived authority. Specifically, not an innate, not an innate power, but one granted. And I, I don't know about you, but something about the translation here that I suddenly was, I was sitting there thinking, wow, I, 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 think, I, think, I think Paul's being a little tongue-in-cheek here, just slightly. Because that is just not that impressive of a title. Let's, let's say, the ruler of the authority of air. What? Even that, even that sequence, you kind of go, is this somebody I should be worried about? Is that, that doesn't even sound, that doesn't sound scary anymore. It sounds... It sounds like it alludes to real lack of power. I think it does. I think it's meant to. And we'll say, I think we'll see the comparison and contrasting that happens right here in the text. But, it, but it's beautiful for us to see that. And so that's the first thing I want to call your attention to, except for the next thing. Who is at work? You see that word? Who is at work among the sons of disobedience? And we should thank God for that one. The reason I like that one so much is you're going to recognize the word used there for at work. Energizio. Any, any guesses on what word we get from that? From energizio? Energy, right. I think it's pretty decent. I kind of thought that was telling. Wise and telling. There are a number of people in Hollywood and even government today who talk about and desire and seek to channel a spiritual presence to create their art or to create their they talk about it. It's talked about in our culture all the time. Channeling, channeling power. Chan it's, it's weird. I'm telling you, this word of the idea of getting an energy in the world. I hear New Age teaching here. I hear the, the substance and the reality. And, and this, this whole city is filled with this kind of junk. But it's weird to me that it's so bare and naked. I just want you to hear, when you hear words like, man, I, he really gives me energy. I feel energy. Those kind of language, that kind of weird, that way of thinking that you and I, that's, that's demonic. It doesn't, that's not the way God works. God doesn't zap you with energy. He fills you with himself. Totally different. But I want you to be aware of the language here, because the language like channeling or energy, we can think, oh, is that friendly to what I believe? It is not. I'm warning you, it is not. Words are important. All right, let's go on. Because these words right here, and you know, it's funny, as I was kind of, I'm kind of exegeting the text thing. Oh my goodness, even in Paul's language, he, he's carving out a delicate notion that this being has a power, but not anything like a real power. Something insinuated there and revealed. What about the Bible? Oh man. The Old Testament actually doesn't mention, uh, doesn't really talk about 
Well, it doesn't talk about demons the way we talk about demons in the New Testament. It doesn't say, there's a few, there's a few references. Usually it talks about evil spirit from God. You've heard that, lying spirit from God or something like that. Here's the interesting thing about that spirit word. It's the word sed, S-E-D, or sedim. The sedim, or you've all seen the sedim. The sedim are the name of the Babylonian guards. Those huge beings that sit out in front. You know what I'm talking about? Like they, look like, they, look like, they look like lions with the face of a man. and kind of. We've all seen these from Babylon, these, these huge beasts. Actually, last time I was in Hollywood, they had decided to festoon the, 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 uh, the uh, Academy Awards. This is many, many years ago, with all those Sadim out front, all those, uh, those tote. And I remember just looking at it going, well, they just play in their hand? Or is this like, like waving, a, waving a little flag saying, Here's Satan, here's Satan. <laughs> to me that's what it looked like, right? It's a little bizarre, a little strange. Well, you can imagine my surprise when I was doing my, my, my analysis of the words that Sedim is the name of those Babylonian images. Dead. But the weird thing about this Old Testament idea of the Bible, the Old Testament idea of the evil spirit is that it is under what? Interesting connection with the Paul's word, right? Very interesting connection. All right, let's go. But now, uh, uh, the, 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 the one who leads the demonic, Satan is mentioned in the Old Testament a number of times. Mentioned, he's mentioned especially in Job, and elsewhere you hear him in Zechariah 3, accusing Joshua and all this kind of thing. But there's all that language, Satan. It's an interesting word, because you know what it means is adversary, one who opposes, one who accuses. Even God is called a Satan against other things sometimes, like as an adversary. It's that generic of a word. But I think that's important because the scriptures go out of their way to never honor the demonic. They're not interested in it. Not interested in demonology or ranks or none at all. You know why? Because God doesn't care. We are about God's glory, not, not such occult evil. Beware of your own suspicions about names and stuff like that and learning. Do not learn them. Do not seek them out. That is not an understanding that the Bible gives us. I don't want to know anything but what the Scripture says about this. Period. End of story. What about the New Testament? Well, it's kind of even better. Daemon. That's where you get the word demons from the Greek. Demon. Daemon. But all it meant to the Greeks were the invisible gods of the air around them. They're all diamonds. They're all demons. Well, it's just kind of interesting, isn't it, that they called all their, their gods demons, diamonds? Because in the Old Testament, that's what the prophets and the poets call the false gods. See? Fascinating. Very, 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 very consistent from Old to New Testament. And a consistent sort of anonymity almost. We even have, and of course, you know the name Lucifer. But even that, even that, is more like a title. Because it's the name of the morning star. It's the morning star of the dawn in Isaiah 14. So why do I bring all this up? Why do I bring all this well, up? Well, one more, one more. I, I, so I don't know if you ever notice this. I know many of you wonder if I actually organize my preaching. But I started inside the text. And we went to the Old Testament. And we went to the New Testament. Now I want to go to the universal experience of anthropologists. And do you know, you probably do know this. But there is no tribe, there is no people, there are no groups we've ever come across who don't have a fully developed idea of the demonic. There, it's every, it's, it's one of the weird universals. There, in every culture, every society, primitive to to to, to, uh, to sophisticated, was the concept, a living concept, 
of demons. Why, why am I bringing all this up now? One of the things I noticed right here, it kind of, you know, it snuck up on me. It snuck up on me. It shows how modern I really am. Because one of the, the startling things that I kind of stumbled on as reading this was like, man, is the Bible binary. Like, man, is spiritual truth binary. It's like God or the devil. That's it. <laughs> uh, you know, Bob Dylan captured it really well as one of his best songs. You know, you've got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. I was just thinking that yesterday when I came down to the house from Windsor. Binary. Well, why is that? I don't know. There's something about this I just want you to hear. Binary. There's something about what God claims that is counter this generation, which says, oh no, there's so many tastes of truth. Aren't there so many ways that different religions? No. The scriptures are unequivocal. Buddhism was created by demons. It doesn't, doesn't make jokes about it. It doesn't say, oh, well, we want to make sure that their feelings are okay. No, the scriptures say that other religions were created by demons. Period. And that creates a binary situation. <laughs> it's either... And, and I guess what the reason I put this out there for you is you, we need anchors in this generation at times because world, this world, this generation, this time is always shouting at us. You, who are you to tell me what's what or binary? What, things are not black and white. Everything is, everything's up for grabs. And we're, we're assaulted by this. <laughs> we're assaulted at a sexual level, at a political levels, at personal levels. It's constant. Uh, you know, and, and a denial of the fundamental, and some of the fundamental breakdown of the universe, the way God made it. Now, broken sexuality, I know. I know broken sexuality. I've known people in transgender situations. The breakdown of binary is the work of the devil. It's to remove that. Because when you remove binary, you remove all safety, all knowledge, all, all comfort, all, because you don't know who you are anymore. Oh, it's terrible. No. There's a wonderful rejection of this generation in this teaching. And I think that's something we, are, we, need, to, we need to kind of hold on to. Because the way the universe is, is different than this generation is telling you. And I know we all suffer under it. And well, we all suffer under it. How can you claim that your God is the only way and everybody else is demon, is demon-led? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a bold and amazing thing to say. And it is the truth. God give us mouths that, and boldness to say it and loving, kind ways in which, to, in context in which to say it in. Amen? But we have to hold on to this truth. And that's one of the realities that the, the demonic kingdom kind of brings out, you know? It's A or B. <laughs> which side are you on? What do you follow? So this, this goes out, uh, and, and then, but I wanna, now I want to go to the next step. Beyond words, let's go to the biblical story. Genesis to Revelation. Genesis to Revelation. Details and constant details over and over again. You know, everything from Satan speaking here to appearing at the throne room of God in Job 1 to accuse. Oh, man. It's, let me tell you something. When I, when I want to quit because I hate myself and, and I just see myself as such a terrible person, go to Zechariah 3.1. You should do this. We all need to go to this. Zechariah 3.1. Because the prophet was given a picture of the high priest standing before God in heaven. And do you know who's standing next to him? 
accusing him. Satan. Because Joshua, the high priest, is filthy. The Lord defends him. Oh, see, that gives me hope to preach. <laughs> it does. It does. Because I imagine that's how I appear before my heavenly Father when he sees, when sees me for what I am. But he sees Jesus, too. We're going to get there. He sees Jesus, too, right? Mm. I like to hide in these things, but all these stories are again and again all across the Scripture. I encourage you to learn them and know them because they're all insights and they're all equip you and help you. It's important to know that Peter, one of the greatest preachers of all history, could in a moment speak the words of the devil. And if you don't understand that, you'll reckon with these things, you'll be, fool you'll be foolish. You'll be foolish. Very foolish. And, these, and so I, what I did was I was kind of pouring over them. I, I thought about going through them all. It would be exhausting, wouldn't it? A smattering of them, maybe. But I didn't want to do that. Instead, I saw something. I saw something. Three things that are consistent. And first of all, it's across all the Bible. Jesus tells us, Hey, Peter. Um, Satan I prayed for you, and you'll be able to stand. All right, what's the first principle? It's all across the Bible. All right. I don't know how Satan handles this. I don't know how demonic handles this. I remember this as a kid. Does anybody remember permission slips? Little pink slips is the only reason you could ever be on the hall, in the hall uh, during class time when you were in like fifth grade, is if you had a little pink slip that was a permission slip. You had to have a, at least from the school I went to, I had to have permission to go to the principal. I had to have permission to go to the bathroom. I had to, you were little, you had to have your permission slip with you. And you had to go and ask. He's a kid, you don't think that that's a humbling thing to do. But let me tell you, I don't know how he handles it, because that is the picture of the story. The, these, this being, this, uh, we're, look, he's an astounding being. Astounding. Beautiful, more beautiful than anybody you've ever seen more powerful than any other being that's ever been created. And he's got to go every time. Every time he wants to bug Spencer, he's got to go, can I have a permission slip? That's something, isn't it? That's across the whole scripture. That's, that is principle number one. Principle number two. Uh, direct personal engagement. Satan never attacks from a distance. This is not, you know, evil doesn't, evil doesn't do this. Yeah, I'm going I'm to tackle somebody here. Who can I tackle? He, Satan goes like that. He's, he goes in. Satan attacks personally. And what's the second principle? First principle, he has to ask permission. The second principle is Satan always goes for direct personal engagement as far as he's allowed. He goes as far. And it's always direct and personal. Always. All the demons are like this. If you want to learn more about their techniques and strategies, read screw tape letters. You know, it's funny, C.S. Lewis said when he wrote that for that, for that, for that, for that, uh, for that newspaper, he said he underwent more spiritual attack on a weekly basis than he had ever endured in his life. As he kind of unmasks in these letters, this old demon writing to a young demon to tell him how to, how to master and care for and how to, how to deceive one of his, what do they call him? His clients or something? They have all sorts of funny names in it, but... That's wormwood and who's the screw tape? Yeah. The screw tape letters. But I want to uncover direct person. There's nothing abstract. 
Uh, Keller, Keller, I think Tim, Tim had a beautiful picture of this. You know, that, that shootout. Well, often we think we're engaging with evil when we're shooting, but that's not, really, that's not the way it is. Evil's always a grudge match, and it's always close up and personal. And it hurts, and it's hard. And that's, he's always, that's always where he wants to go. Now, with, with, with non-believers, he can go as far as he wants. He can control them utterly. They're in that dance, right? They're in the dance macabre of death. They have no choice. And they, whatever choices they do make are only to go further down that road. They are followers. They're followers. But, you know, I, uh, I love this. Uh, no, I have to look at my notes here. Uh, this idea, Keller, Keller said that. It, it's never the shootout. It's always the close, personal wrestling match. But there is a continuum. For, for believers, you cannot be possessed by a, by a devil. You can't, or a demon. But you can certainly be tormented by one. I mean, all day long, as long as you've been given permission. Wow. It gets, better. It gets even better. There's a lot to this. The third part of all demonic strategy all throughout the Bible is, how do you know when Satan is lying? How do you know when demons are lying? When their lips are moving. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Everything. Even the truth is a lie in the mouth of the evil one. That's how he tries to get Christ, right? What is his, what's his attack with Jesus? He begins by quoting scripture. It reminds me of something William Blake said that I thought was really clever. A, lot, a, a truth that's told with bad intent beats all the lies you can invent. That's how our enemy works. He's very clever and crafty. His lies, you know, what Christ, you know what Christ said? You are like your father, the devil. He's been a liar since the beginning. Why, 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 why pull out all these, point out all these, uh, these uh, tactics? For our answer. The text, oh, it's so beautiful. The text is so beautiful here. I want you to see how beautifully crafted it is. So Paul now, this is the problem. I, I went back to chapter 1. But you, Paul, in one continuous verse, remember this one sentence, Paul, from Ephesians 1, 1, all the way down to the end, Paul has done nothing but adore and magnify the name of Jesus. Remember, that, remember how many times he said the name Jesus? We looked at it. Over and over, Jesus, Jesus. He, he's just tumbling, stumbling. He mentions his own name one time. But Jesus, it's like over and over again. Jesus this, Jesus of him, through him, that his love be predestined, made choice, and this glorious God. Now, I want you to look at the text. This is really cool. Look, in, look where our text starts in Ephesians 1, in verse 21. Far above what authority and rule? All. Look at verse 22. What, what things did he put under his feet? Oh, let's go, let's go to the very end of the, of the, of the chapter, which is his body, which is his body, talking about the church, the fullness of him. And what does he fill? All in all. That's why it's written that Christ will slay the evil one with the breath of his mouth. There is no contest between him our Savior. Praise him. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And there's a picture that Paul has gone so far to exalt above every name, above every, look at him, look at him now, look at how glorious Jesus is. You, you know, but you all once walked 
you know, in, this, in your trespasses and sins, following the courses, following the prince of the power of the air. And by the time you get to this description, that I've already given you the words. I've already given you some of the words of the text, what they really mean. By the time you get the description, you realize that he's damning with faint praise. Like, he's, like anything that sounds powerful or good here, it's just, it's nothing compared to Jesus. That's why Jesus simply smites him with the breath. So what's the point here? Why, 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 why put that little verse with Prince of the Power of the Air next to all those other verse, 20, 21 verses in chapter 1? To get you to compare and contrast. So you can constantly go, look, you can constantly get this idea that, look, this, this person, Satan, seems terrifying. Look at Jesus. Oh, you, you've heard about the, the devil and his works. Maybe you watch a horror movie, or maybe you have a fear that the demons are chasing you or, or, or after you. Your, your, your fears are correct. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid anymore. You ever notice when you're, when you're selling on, I don't think Amazon does this, but I know the Consumer Reports does it, but some websites do this. Best Buy does it. Where they can, you can pick two brands and you can compare them right next to each other, like all their features on each, each level. So what's the size? And the dimensions are both are right next. So you can compare the, the Frigidaire right with the Thermidor. You can see exactly how they compare off on a bunch of categories, right? You can do that right here. <laughs> compare and contrast Jesus and Satan. What happens? There's no, there's very, there's barely a comparison at all. Praise our Savior. And that is the point of this text. That's the point of why I think, you know, it's funny when the text talks about and, and shows us and reveals to us well, who's, who, somebody who can look so scary, how, how, how Satan can look so, and sound so frightening. And I love this picture that, ah, not really. <laughs> not, not in any meaningful way. You know, Luther had something about this. Luther thought, I love this, Luther, thinks, Luther thought that John 1, we, when he wrote that hymn, One Little Word Shall Fell Him, one, you know, Luther thought that one of the reasons Jesus was called the Word was to insult the devil. Because just a little word kills him. Doesn't take much. You see, like, like it's just a word from Like, it's just a picture, like Martin Luther, like Martin Luther was saying. See, that is the majesty of Christ. <laughs> just his word, just as word. He triumphs and trumps all the works, and he destroys the works of the devil. Praise him. Now, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is, if you look at your fears at demonic power in this generation, for every one time you look at that, take 10 looks at Jesus. Think 10 things about Jesus. The Bible teaches you about his greatness, his love, his grace, his, his resurrection power. Anyway, this comparison, I just think there's something about that that just, that just kind of pops it all open. It gives us something to hold on to, and it makes sense now. I'm, I feel like it's kind of leading us in this place where we kind of go, oh, that's why it's telling us about the evil one. It's, it's revealing who Jesus is. And Jesus, it, Satan, in a sense, becomes a foil, and the whole demonic world becomes this foil reflecting that the Son of God is King of kings. Praise him. Let's go a step further. How many of you are familiar with Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14? It's good reading, by the way. It's the weirdest reading in the whole book. Two poets, prophets. Ezekiel and Isaiah. Now, Ezekiel is concerned with a very evil king of the time, the king of Tyre. And the king of Tyre was one of the most successful kingdoms in the, in the whole world at the time because they were the center of commerce. They were, a, they were, a, 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 they were the center of a whole bunch of of, of paths between the east and west. 
and Tyre became extraordinarily wealthy. So Ezekiel writes a poem against Tyre that in her arrogance she will be fall, the king of Tyre will fall. But then he, he doesn't, he describes something different than the king of Tyre, though. And he compares the king of Tyre to this beautiful creature, this beautiful, amazing who walked amongst fiery stones. It's, it's weird. It's strange. But, and that's intriguing. Isaiah does the same thing, but it's the king of Babylon. And, and so in those two instances, this mysterious creature, and in, in Isaiah he's called Lucifer, this mysterious person of, of, of extraordinary beauty, created by, always mentions he's created, by the way. It always says he was created. This, he, uh, uh, almost equal to God. And, and do you know what both texts tell us? Not only, first they tell us he's beautiful, but second they tell us that he, uh, he wanted to be equal to God. Just arrogance, pure arrogance. You know, Jude warns us about slandering celestial beings. I, I'm being careful as I'm preaching today even. I don't have no desire to mock my enemy. Jude tells us not to, to show even respect to, to evil beings. Even the archangel Michael, it says, as he was disputing with the devil over the body of Moses, did not bring a word of accusation against him, but said what? Does anybody know what the archangel Michael said to the devil while he was arguing over the body of Moses? The Lord rebuke you. That's an archangel talking to the devil. Respectfully. Point made? But, I, but there's a certain folly in this. It just boggles the mind. You know what's funny? It sounds just like our disobedience, doesn't it? Because our disobedience is so irrational. This is a being of unimaginable intelligence, more brilliant than anybody you've ever met or any human that's ever lived who got it in his head that he could be equal to an eternal being. How could you be that self-deceived? It's interesting, isn't it? Because what the text is leading us into is almost like kind of, a, of an enemy we, we get because we do things like that. That's our world. We're the ones who do stuff like that. We're the ones who imagine that we are like a god and can tell God where to get off. And yet, so we see this weird mirror in the, in, the, in, the, in the enemy. A weird mirror of who we are. But there's no salvation for angels. There's nobody dies for them. They're either going to the judgment, it says, or they're with him in heaven. <sighs> why, why, why am I excited? Why do I don't want to bring you this last point? Because of where Paul goes. Right, so the kingdom of the devil, the course of this age, the kingdom of the devil, the one who went to be like God, that's what he sells. And that's the lie he delivers again and again. You, can, you make your own choices. I can't believe you read a book and let it control you. What a fool you are. You, you hear it. You hear the, the enemies attack us like this. Brutally attack us for what we believe and how we cherish it. And it, it could be overwhelming, right? It could, be, it could scare us. I, I, Satan is always selling. What is he always selling? I, and I'm really, this really hit me. Um, I said last time, 
And nobody seemed to really click, click with it. So I went to sharpen a little bit. I said last time that and ultimately the lie of this world and the course of this age is with man, all things are possible. That's in a sense, I think that's the ultimate thing that we believe in this gen- With man, all things are possible. Let's go a little step further than that. Let's put it down to earth. Let's see what the devil's selling. I believe in progress. Don't you? Well, don't you know, just, uh, just 20 million years ago, you were in a tree eating bananas. Look how far you've come. Why, don't you know 200 million years ago, you were, no more than that, probably 800 million years ago, you were an amoeba struggling to, struggling to get its way out of the water. Look how far you've come. Look where you must, if we came that far, look at where we must be going. You guys read science fiction? They all believe this stuff. They're preaching it like it's, they're handing out like candy. The idea that we will all transcend, we... Because if that is our trajectory, that we were once slime some billion years ago, and what will we be a billion years hence? Aren't you excited about the human potential? We're on, you hear it over and over and over until you're sick of it. Be all you can be. That's another version of it. Do all for you, by you. There's so many versions of this in this world. I don't want to follow the course of this age, do you? I don't want to follow that that ringleader, that, that, I don't want to do that. Because you know what finally answers? I mean, what, devil, what does devil selling when he sells progress? Is really, you can, you can save yourself. It's all works. It's all, it all gets back to humanity ultimately will rescue itself. You know what that means? We will earn our salvation. We will earn our, we will earn, we, that's the cry of this, we will earn our, we will save ourselves. If we have to go to another planet to do it after we destroy this, we will, and yet, this was some guy, they were talking, one of these YouTube guys talking about the heat death of the universe, which is probably, you know, a trillion, trillion years off, imagining what humanity will be like then as we're huddling around the last stars trying to, like, are you serious? What on earth could give you such hope that we could make it? past this year. You know, I don't know. Praise our God that he loves us anyway. So the reason I'm bringing all this out is that what's the final trump of the devil? What's the final trump response? And this, is, this, is where, this is where Paul's syntax gets clumsy. Oh, but God, if he jumps right in, in fact, in Greek, it's, it's so aggressive in the syntax that it, it's, it's awkward, but God, and all of a sudden, there's this disruptive mercy comes in. A disruptive, dangerous mercy enters the world. <laughs> and the devil's put to flight. Because it's by grace you are saved. And he says it twice because he can't wait to get the words out of his mouth. Because that's the answer to the lies of the devil. I was saved by grace. Not by anything I've done or been. Not by any choice or decision I've made. I'm saved by grace. I was saved before the world began. Take that in your pipe and smoke it. Enemy of mine. Because you know, it's, it's kind of, I think, and I, you know, it's talking about insulting the devil, but I, I, think, the, I think our father insults the devil this way. And I'll tell you how. Because what is promised here in the scriptures by faith and by grace means that the meanest, cheapskatiest, weakest, most doubting, obnoxious, 
Christian you have ever met can tell the devil to leave, and he has to do it. That's something. We were told, resist the devil, and what will happen? He will flee from you. The Lord rebuke you. And you know, when, when Michael said that, it was, there was no more cancer cells anymore. Because once he said that, the devil had to run. Don't you think it's very insulting to a creature of that intelligence, magnitude, power, and life to be at the command of, like, baby Christians? <laughs> I mean, not even good Christians. I mean, like, you know, bad Christians. Christians that really aren't that together. You know, Christians that aren't in this room. You know, you know no, I'm talking about other people, right? No, I'm talking about us. He loves it. And, 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 and that's, that's the joy. That's the, that's the joy of salvation I want to impart to you tonight. The weakest Christian can send the devil running all the way back home. Praise God. You know why that's true? Because it shows his grace. It reveals his power. That's why there's so many promises in the Bible about how to deal with temptation and the devil over and over again. And they're for us like children. I think there's something pretty cool and special about that. Something pretty wonderful. Because in this text, the right place he goes is grace. And grace is the ultimate rejection (laughs) of all the satanic enterprise. I will be like God by the strength of my will, intellect, power, and personality. That was what the devil wanted. I will be like God because he showed mercy on me, a sinner. Praise him. <laughs> I got there. You see how quickly I got there? <laughs> and our enemy's been trying to get there and running around the whole block trying to get to that same place that I just walked into by faith. Praise God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, help us to take up, dear Father, help us to take up tools against our enemy. <laughs> We're doing that right now. I know they're listening. I know they, they eavesdrop on this stuff. And, and um, no doubt they will ask you if they can punish me or people here in some fashion. Father, we ask that they would not be able to do that. They would not be permitted. Hand out no permission slips, Father. Preserve us tonight. Because we have come to worship your son. <laughs> we don't believe the lies of the devil that we can, we can, we can save ourselves. <laughs> we believe in you and your salvation. We believe in your son dying on a cross for sinners like us, and we praise you for it. <laughs> we thank you that we don't have to be good enough or smart enough or, 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 or more powerful or stronger than anybody else. No, no. You, you, you actually, specifically, and this must be true because you're using me, use the most, the most awful Christians. <laughs> to reveal just how it's your grace. I just want to say thank you for that, Father. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a weird moment in the Bible when um, your son says that he saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. And, and it's right after the disciples come back and, and he's talking to them about the ministry. Um, I, I, I want to ask this, Father, that, that someday when we're talking to Jesus, everyone in this room, when we're talking to Jesus one day in glory, that he can say, you know that time when you were in San Francisco? You know, I saw Satan fall like lightning. We asked to see the fall of the demonic kingdom in our generation, in our time. 
And we pray to that end. Pray for the protection of our people, protection of those we love, and the release of many captives from his dance of death. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen.